Good day, my friends. Before we begin, I just learned, and maybe you did as well, that Gina Lola Brigida died, passed away at the age of 95. She was considered at one time in our entertainment society one of the most beautiful woman, the face of La Dolce Vita. She was from a time that I don't know anybody can really understand or if they can, if they have any reference to. I'm, I, I, I was thinking and kind of lamenting there was a time in our culture where we really enjoyed this thing called elegance. And it was something that I don't think, well, I, I, I shouldn't say I don't think, but I don't, I, I don't think it is a, as appreciated today as one would think. I was reading a book. I am reading. I might know a book. Um, it's, it's, it's called Capote's Swans. And, uh, or Capote's Women, I guess it's called. And it's about the 50s socialites. Slim Keith, CZ Guest, Gloria Guinness, Pamela Churchill, and the Grand Dame, Babe Paley. Now, to most people, I think these may, these names mean nothing, but it's a but it's a it's a part of our history where we we had things like the best dressed list, where women women who lunch socialize when New York was just were Fifth Avenue in the Upper East Side, and you just saw the just elegance and style, and it's something that it's a very rare commodity. It's, it, it, it's, it's hard to explain style to people. It's versus fashion. We don't have fashion. One could say. I mean, you might want to suggest there is a. It started. I believe years ago when Dress Down Friday began. Dress Down Friday was the original. Uh, this was a sense of being more, I don't want to say pedestrian, but less structured. Oh, ca- casual. I heard it was called Dress. Oh, casual Friday. 80s. I heard it was Dress Down. But my casual Fridays, where people did this. Another thing that happened, which was a big deal, was when women, in particular, decided, and I understand it completely, I understand it, the functionality, and I'm going to say something that a lot of people will not understand, but I saw this. When women who were commuting, because you know a lot of times you come in from in New York, you know, you're at the Penn Station or the, whatever, you, 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 you Grand Central or... Port Authority, and you have a while to walk, and high heels are difficult. So women would put on, as the British would say, trainers. You know when, that started here? when did that start? In the eighties, we had a transit strike. Oh, in the eighties, during a transit strike, 
Women had to walk home to Brooklyn. That is so interesting. They had to do this. It was functionality. But it caught on. It caught on. And with that, you see, once it, this is very important. I'm fascinated by trends. How does a trend start? How does a how does a a pattern start? How does a fad start? I'm fascinated. Everybody that I know runs from me when I begin my dissertation on tattoos. You don't understand how important that is, how critical that was. You 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 don't you don't understand it. In in my opinion, it was something also plastic surgery. Plastic surgery, not plastic surgery. Let me clarify something. But plastic. And by the way, we're going to get to Martin Luther King. Please don't. But this 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 just happened with Gina Lola Bridger. They got my mind crazy. But not plastic surgery, but bad plastic surgery. Bad plastic surgery. Plastic surgery that made you look like you had plastic surgery. In the world of professional wrestling, in the old days, when wrestlers had, when they took a blade and juice, Jesus, when they would cut their heads with a blade, not, they used to always say chicken blood, but it was a blade. You, and you could always tell sometimes when people would come out with tape on their thumb, all of a sudden a piece of tape, say, what's that about? Well, there's a blade in there. Sometimes they have a blade in their trunks, which I think is very dangerous. Or sometimes they'd open up the real, the, the, the same wound over and over again. But they really, King Curtis was, I think, the worst I've ever, I've never seen anything like that. It was just, and and within, within professional wrestling came this focus on scarring. Wrestling, cauliflower ear. Today we see it again with the ultimate fighting. This is a badge of, 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 of glory. Of course, you can't hear anything, but cauliflower ear. Trumpet players, uh, Louis Armstrong, Miles Davis, that little scar here, and, of course, Dizzy Gillespie with the cheeks. Muslims, devout Muslim men who have this mark here from, uh, uh, not, not prostration, but from prayer. Everybody has certain things. Guitar players in their fingers, especially acoustic. Scars. Uh, Gordie Howe. Remember in the old days, uh, hockey players would have teeth missing, and it, and it was a sign of something. Th th this was a membership in the club. Well, we we went through this, and plastic surgery was a sign of nobility, being able to have expendable uh, um, income to be able to do this. And I saw, I saw. A, how do I say this? Um, a JFK, there was a, there was a woman buying coffee who in any other time would have been laughed at by virtue of what they did to her, her lips. And it was obviously done on purpose. But it was to signal, this is what happened. This, I have the money. I had plastic surgery. You know that... Madonna look or that Jocelyn Wildenstein look. It's a very fascinating thing. There's also something which is interesting, which is very critical. And I hear this more 
and more and more. And it was the product of one of the most influential people in current American culture, still to this day. And we go through great pains and great efforts to say, we don't care about her. She means nothing. Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian. You can say whatever you want. And what the Kardashians did was to cement that voice like that, that monotone. They call it the vocal fry. It's a kind of a raspy fry monotone. I'm not upset. I have no, I don't know. Tucker Carlson recently interviewed someone from, I don't know what it was. It was like that. Listen, just like in the old days, you may not remember this, you may not have ever heard this, but around the 30s, 40s, and then into the 60s, there was an accent that Americans had acquired called the Mid-Atlantic Accent. It was the voice that you heard Gore Vidal had it. Orson Welles would slip in and out of it, but the best is William F. Buckley and George Plimpton. William F. Buckley was it. It was acquired. It doesn't exist. It's mid-Atlantic, meaning it's between the United States and Great Britain. Now, in the UK, as you know, accents, how the, the, uh, the received and uh, the BBC, the posh, uh, the queens, whatever. This, this is a signal. This is a signal to you as to who you are at what, what stage you are in. We had that as well. That's, that's our thing now. And you hear it. You will hear it like that. Pay attention, focus, listen to what's going on. You'll hear phrases in the hip-hop community, country music. Uh, just, just, just pay attention, watch. Watch for style versus fashion. When, you are, when you're able to create a style your own, who was it who first wore sunglasses backwards? I submit to you, it was Guy Fieri. Notice how he said that, Fieri. Even how, even he said it himself like that, Fieri. Which I like that. People, people pronounce it like that, Fieri. Not Fieri, Fieri. And he took his glasses and he wore them backwards, put them on the back. Now, I'm sure other people did it before, but that became his, and I see it now. I see it. I want to know who was the person who decided to wear, in the old days when you would get a baseball cap, you wanted to, you wanted the bill to curve, to curve. And there were ways to do it. Some people would break the bill and that kills me. But there's a way of using the back and you fold it and it gives this perfect tilt to it. Then somebody said, no, we want to wear it flat. Okay, and we want to keep all of the labels and stickers on. What? And we want to turn it sideways. Now, when I was a kid, you were a hat sideways and you look like you're... Not not a poindexter, but something along those lines. Look at what's happening right now. Wearing a hat backwards. And listen to what I am saying. The number one, the number one, something which I'm sure neuro, neurologists will, will, will bear this out. 
Something happens to cognition levels, IQ levels. They plummet whenever you wear a hoodie. Something happens when you walk around and you wear a hoodie. Not at home. Not when you're like you're no, no. But you're walking outside. You deliberately put it on and you wear the hoodie. And what happens? You slouch. You look furtive. You look. There's a sinister look to it. Hands in your pocket and you hide. Hide. Masks. Hiding. Pay attention. Going back to Babe Paley. One day, she was married to Bill Paley from CBS. One day, she had a scarf on. For reasons, she decided, I'm hot. She took the scarf off. She said, well, what do I do with this scarf? She tied it to her purse. Somebody saw that immediately. Hottest thing in the world. And I'm going to leave you with this. The number one, the number one, I didn't use the word cool, but the trendsetter in men's fashion, number one, Gianni Agnelli from Fiat, and he was the he was the proponent of sprezzatura, which is a kind of an elegant nonchalance. It's this wonderful term. It's from this book by Baldassare Castiglione, 16th century, 1520. It's called Book of the Courtier, or Courtier. And it's called, this is about this, a nonchalance that conceals art and makes whatever one does or says appear to be without effort. Almost, okay, sprezzatura. Every year in, in uh, I believe it's Milan, there's something called Priti Uomo. And this is where, this is, just just work with me on this. You're, you, you might learn something here. Priti Uomo is in Florence, in Firenze. And what it is, is this is the most important platform for men's clothing every year. And if you want to see something interesting, look and compare British style versus French versus Italian. Specifically, Milan in particular. You'll see a complete... And what I'm telling you right now, it's alien. I realize that. I realize what I'm saying is alien. It's alien. People will they look at me and say, I don't know what you're... I never even thought about this. Because in our culture, in popular culture... Fashion suit, nobody cares about that. Anyway, Johnny Agnelli did something which was, he was, whatever he did was considered so cool. People just, he wore work boots, these like these uh, work boots with with a tailored bespoke suit. And people, I mean, only he did, like, 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 like a lineman or a workman would wear. Number two, he would get Brooks Brothers button-down shirts. He loved them. Oxford's and not button the button down. He was the one. He would wear a tie in, never put the, the back of the tie through the tab. They would always be separate and the back tab would always jut below. Men's fascists always make sure it touches the top of the belt. He didn't care about that. But the thing he did, which was it, and nobody could copy it because it was so obvious. 
he would wear his watch over his over the barrel of the cuff. Wear his watch here. And pulled it off. I wanted to just share that with you. It's one of those little, it's for free. My little momentary respite, my momentary jaunt, desultory, perhaps. Elliptical, perhaps. But nonetheless, it's critical. What I would like to speak about, and what I am going to speak about, is Dr. King. And what this means, and what my particular thoughts are. And you can get a lot of different reactions from different people. But the theme that I have, the unmistakable theme, the unmistakable, absolute aspect of his life to me is unimaginable bravery. That's it. Bravery has been something that I do not even know how to, how it's fascinated me and how it's something that I could study for the rest of my life. And at a, at a younger age, I became particularly interested in folks who were involved in um, bravery. And I worked, when I was a young, young man, right out of college, I worked for a U.S. senator who was in the Veterans Affairs Committee. And I got to know a lot of Vietnam veterans. And when I worked, uh, I was at the local uh, district office, and I would go see these people. And uh, and I would sit there, and I would, you know, represent the senator. And I was about 20, 22 years old, 22. I just graduated. 21, 22. Whatever. And I didn't know that much. I, I just missed Vietnam by just this much. So these gentlemen from Vietnam that I met in particular, and they, they were at World War II, and, and Florida, Florida at the time was a little different because a lot of retirees and there's... Anyway, so I would meet these men and, and they would tell me the problems they had with the VA. One guy couldn't get eyeglasses. This, this is the thing I could not... I will never forget this. But, I, but why? Well, I don't know. So why? Give me your name. Give me your information. Okay, so I would go back to the office and I had, I could type whatever, and I would write a letter on the senator's stationery and I could sign his name. <laughs> I'm sure I violated, maybe there's something a la document, maybe, maybe I, who knows. But I wrote it, and I said, regarding, boom, and I, and I looked at other letters, and I made sure I got the form right so nobody would say, wait a minute, who wrote this? And I was very thorough, and I signed his name, and I forged it from him, from the senator, Dick Stone. And, uh, I, you know, sometimes you hear back, sometimes you don't, you forget. Well, I remember going back, or I remember we, we went somehow, I and, and and he, they said, oh, look, Senator, we've got your picture here. He said, what? We've got your picture. It was an autographed picture of him. He said, oh. And I said, oh, they called me the pen. I could do the thing. But lo and behold, we ran into this young man. 
And he was, he said, thank you. Thank you for helping me, the senator. Sure. And as I began to know them, I was invited to certain things. Tampa is the home of MacDill Air Force Base, which is now CENTCOM. I would go to the officers club. I would meet, one guy was uh, very famous. He was part of a special forces A team. And I met, and then we had somebody who walked in, and I remember this, everybody stood up. So who was it? It's a Medal of Honor recipient. It's the only man, only recipient, I, I, I think we're all men, but my, I think, what, didn't Clara Barton? In any event. A general will salute, especially if you see that little, uh, little ribbon. This is the creme de la creme. This is the ultimate. Silver Star, the Secret Service Cross. I mean, just many people didn't get the Medal of Honor or didn't receive it, not win it, receive it, because of the fact that they just, there, were, there was nobody around to verify it. So I became enthralled with this, enthralled with this. And I would listen. And what amazed me, and I use the term amaze correctly this time because everybody's amazed by everything. Everything is amazing. What amazed me was what is it that makes someone risk their life, fight every instinct that you have, every instinct, to protect yourself, your family, and to disregard it for something bigger, for something else, for someone else, for a stranger, for... I'm interested in dog breeds, this Cane Corso, these, some of these breeds, these, these dogs that are trained to protect uh, wildlife and wild uh, livestock. They have no fear. They, they do. And the idea of fear and bravery. So it's always been something that I've just, I, I, I've been fascinated with. And the issue which I have is, would you have that? Would you do the same thing? Would you be a would you exhibit this bravery? Would you? Would you? That's the most important thing in the world. So Dr. King was absolutely guaranteed. You're on your own. You do not have the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover. They don't like you. They don't want you. Many have suggested that the Kennedys themselves had either authorized or been a part of illegal wiretaps, illegal intrusion, surveillance, interception of, of uh, communication, sending his wife... Coretta King sending um, alleged videotape or audio tape or video of of uh, of uh, uh, compromising situations, embarrassing. I I I, I mean it, it just and he did it and he did it and he did it and that is what I absolutely am. Just. I don't know what the word is. I'm just... (laughs) 
amazed, amazed by. Let me stop right there because I want to say something which also amazes me. And this is very, very critical because I always want to thank and I certainly thank and, I, and I'm so appreciative of our sponsors. And MyPillow.com, we are most, most appreciative of. And that's why you've got to go to MyPillow.com, promo code Lionel. This is the only promo code you were to use. And see for yourself. When you, when you walk and you realize, my gosh, every conceivable aspect, everything that you can imagine when it comes to kales, when it comes to pillows, when it comes to mattress systems. Don't you love the term? It's a mattress system. Toppers and <laughs> slippers. You name it. You name it. There is the link. Go there. Support them and see some of the finest products American made. And if you sign up now, use promo code Lionel, you'll get a free gift. I know, tautological nonetheless. Or call 800-645-4965. Now, I want to say this again, and this is the part that I, when I see Anything involving Dr. King, I'm not so sure about this statue, this art piece. I'll let other people talk about that. I can't say I'm exactly fond of it, but I don't want to belabor the point with that. There are people in the civil rights movement, and you won't hear about all of them, certainly Medgar Evers, I would throw in Malcolm X as well. Ralph Abernathy, though later on, um, some people were a little disappointed with what Abernathy said about Dr. King. They always say, he wasn't a saint. He wasn't a saint. What does that have to do with anything? He wasn't a saint. Why do people have to say that? Why do, why, who is a saint? What does that even mean? I don't understand this. He was... And this, this, absolutely, he was 39 years old. 39. And when you see people who are frozen in time, I mean, think about this. He'd be 94, roughly, this year. 94, born in 29. I mean, think, think about this. It's, it's, it's one of those things. And I, and I, Again, I go back and I, I always, I'm, I'm, I, I have such reverence for anybody who shows incredible bravery, intrepidity, valor. Do you think you could have done that? I don't. And I could have easily have done this. I could have said, you know what? It's not because of me, but I can't subject my family. Nobody's protecting me. Nobody's protecting no, I'm not going to, if I was a bachelor, okay, fine. But I've got little kids. I'm going to subject them to this. And you have to understand something. This, 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 this is the part which is, this is the part which to me just, I don't know, it just, it, it, I don't want to say the word amazes, but I will use the word in this particular case. This is an individual who, 
for purposes or, or for, for reasons we will never understand. This is a person who on April the 4th of 1968, 19, in my generation, when I, just me growing up, just in my lifetime, I was born in 58. So when I, the first time I saw anything even remotely like this was, of course, John F. Kennedy. And I remember this like it was yesterday. And I remember this, and I remember my mother, and I remember where I was, and it was at home, and it was, I think it was in kindergarten, but I remember that she was watching as the world turns, and they broke into it, and that was the first one. And from 63, I think to 68, we went through then Martin Luther King, Bobby Kennedy, Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, the 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 uh, young African American, uh, the girls who were killed in, in this church. It just it, it went through. and then later on for me, it was Vietnam and Watergate, and this is this is this is my frame of reference. And from sixty three to sixty eight, in five years, it was just one thing after another. This was before internet before social media. This this was just Bobby Kennedy, John Kennedy. And I think you've known me long enough to recognize the fact that what scares me, in addition to the underlying situation, is when people habituate, when people become used to something, when they become conditioned when they say well every shock every every murder every every example should jar the system and that's what scares me when people don't necessarily see it that way that's what does it and that's what scares me very very much we're getting used to it 1968 think about this i was 10 years old and i thought to myself, this was my country? This was the country that we had that has all of these guarantees about, you know, this this business about, uh, you know, where all men are created equal, and we have the 13th Amendment. I'm thinking, what is going on here? How does it, how did this, how did this stand? And then I have this thought experiment. And I think about how, what is it, Einstein, Gedanken, there's a, there's a name he called it. Um, oh, yes, the, yes, the Gedanken experiment, the thought experiment. And if you right now, if, if somehow you could meet Dr. King now, who asked you now, how do you think things are today? What is my legacy what is the state of either race or racial communication or conviviation? That could be the subject of... And when you answer that question, remember something. It's a fascinating... Think about this today. When you're driving, when you're taking a shower, when you're walking, when you're doing whatever, just think about this. What would you say? You're meeting Dr. King. He said, well, tell me, how are things? You know, what's new? Are things better? Are they worse? 
What's the first? What's the first thing you would say? What's the first thing? How would you answer that? Most people would just answer the question, which I always tell you: don't ever do that. Think about it. Start off with a question. Start off your question with a question. How are things today? From whose point of view? Question number one. Einstein, relativity. From my point of view, from black America, next point of view. How do I know? How do I know what I know? I think it's safe to say that we don't have some of these incredible horrors that we saw. We don't have you know, the Edmund Pettus Bridge and Bull Connor. We don't have a lunch lunch counter, you know, public accommodations, fire hoses. We don't see, uh, you know, lynchings. And uh, I think the Klan is all but the Klan that existed then, not somebody wearing fatigues in the forest on the weekend, but the, the actual organized Klan, I think, has been all but... I think through litigation and like all pretty much neutralized. I don't know. Again, it's not something I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert on this. So I think in some respects, things are better. But how would you answer that question? What does that even mean? Are things better? Ask anybody from any class, sect, group, um, demographic, how are things for you today? Women, Latinos, people of color, Asian, uh, handicapped, uh, women, teenagers, uh, East Coasters, West Coasters, immigrants, whatever, whatever you ask anybody. Is there any group that you would ask who would say, things are great? Probably not. For a number of reasons. One, I don't think it's in our, our nature to say things are great. And I don't think necessarily. But what does that mean? How do you know? How do you know anything? How do I know? Do you think things are better for a woman today? Being a woman today in the United States compared to 1950. Do you think things are better today? I, I, again, I always say, let me think about that. Social media and our reflexive patellar Pavlovian reaction, everything does not lend itself to you saying, Let me think about that. That's an interesting question. Hmm, I don't know. So that's for you today. You think about this. Think about this. I remember when there was a big debate should there be a national holiday? Oh, we should have a national Oh, we can't, we, we can't have a national holiday. Well, why not? All of a sudden, people that I knew, some, some, were so interested about the loss of productivity and uh, they don't ask any questions about any other, you know. Is racism, is it worse, better, the same? Not, not racism better, I don't know what that means, but, but is the amount of it. These are the questions. I don't know where you're going to go to find anybody who would answer the question because here, here is the first, here is the very first thing you must understand. When, and listen to me carefully. Whenever you're on TV, in particular, let's just make cable news. 
whenever you're appearing as a guest, your goal is always to be asked back. And better yet, to maybe land a gig as a paid contributor. And the only way that that happens is if you get a click, you know, meters, you know, likes and retweets and you go viral. And the only way that's going to happen today is if you say something which is extraordinary, maybe maybe excessive, maybe effusive, maybe over the top, maybe whatever. That's the only thing. That's that's the part that where I say I love deliberative slow. Well, let's think about it. It doesn't exist. My world, my analysis does not exist. I just happened to be listening before to a, to a lecture on what Bob Dylan means to people. And it was a very slow, a very thorough, very academic. This Nobody will be listening to this today because it's not fast, it's not quick, there's no lights, there's no, you know, whatever. But it's a fascinating question and I would love to get somebody somewhere who would love to look at the issue like a pathologist looks at or a physician or a scientist looks at cancer or some condition. You know, the health of the... We don't have that. We, as you probably know, have lost the art of not only debate, but critical thinking. Remember critical thinking. Iraq, not the country. I-R-A-C. Issue, rule, analysis, conclusion. It's an old law school thing. Everybody with their... We had blue books. What is the issue? What is the rule? What is the... What, what is this, this statute, this law, this perspective, whatever? Analyze the two and then make a conclusion. But it's deliberative. And the first rule is, the most critical, what's the issue? And that's something which I have been talking about forever. Let me stop right there and tell you right now that our friends at My Patriot Supply are going the extra mile to make their emergency food as affordable as possible. How are they doing that, you ask? Good question. They're taking $250 off their three-month emergency food kit, which is the minimum your family should have. And these kits provide delicious vines and vittles and easy to make breakfast, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks for one person for three, count them, three solid months. Get one for each member of your family while you're able to save $250 during this timely sale, which ends soon. Remember, My Patriot Supply is the nation's largest preparedness company with millions of families already protected. These three-month food kits are in stock and ready to go. Your order comes fast and free and arrives in unmarked boxes for your privacy. Where do you go? Preparewithlionel.com. 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 And as you know, as you know, I will do this. I will make this available. I will have the link right here forthwith. Because people are acting today. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you going to act now? There it is. My Patriot Supply. I'm going to put it right there. In fact, I'm going to pin it as they even say. There we go. So back to what I'm saying. Is the world better? 
Are we better? Are things better? How do we as a society, what do we do? Give me one word, one word that you would recommend. Just one word. And no matter whatever the destruction, one word that we need to make the world better, either as to race, as to harmony, as to, again, conviviation. Con, cum, with, conviviation, living, living with. What is that word? What is that term? What do we need to do? Love. Thank you, Dee. Why don't we say that? You know, when you say love, when I was a kid growing up, love, well, all we need is love. It was a wonderful concept. It was the message of the 60s, peace and love. And we laughed at that. Where did we go? Why isn't this in the middle of our, I don't know, to love? We love today, maybe, I don't even know if that if they means romantic love or sexual love. Or, I don't know. But to love someone. I'm going to go next. Love, wisdom. I'm going to go one step further. Respect. Respect is a word they love. Many people today love it. The, the mob loves it. People love it. Respect. For me to just respect you. To show you courtesy. Etiquette. That's it. Etiquette. I am a firm believer in yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I love that. It's dignity. It shows somebody something. There's something so wonderful. It's it's one of those things, this idea. And and it's great to teach kids, especially when you Bob Dylan said it best, speaking of Dylan, you gotta serve somebody. The people who are doing your, the people who are there serving you. You know, in New Jersey, when we pass through, they have a law, which you may or may not know about, which prohibits self-service gasoline. You have to have full service. I don't know why, you just do. And one day, Well, it was so cold, and the Yugo, a stretch, needed a, 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 a fill. We pulled in, and there was this gentleman standing there, or sitting there, I should say, and he was, um, I don't know what the word is, he was uh, just, what's, what's the word? What is the word? He was freezing in this, I don't know, this, this, this shed, this whatever you want to call it. And he was unable to, to uh, I mean, it was, it was incredible. And there he was. And I thanked him. And I, and I, and I meant, and no, listen, I don't want an award for this. But foreign, thank you, sir. And I swear to you. There was a look in his face, you can almost tell, that nobody ever says, thank you. Nobody ever says that. Isn't, isn't that the strangest thing? You've got to teach kids this. There's a sense of entitlement. I also wish people would understand something. And it's this notion called 
humility. And it's this idea of humility. This thing where we... I think, you know, one of, one of the most important issues, when you are able to show that... When you are able to show your position in the world relative to the rest of the world. That's why when you look at stars and the, the firmament, and you ask yourself the question, how is it, seriously, how is it that I am able to um, put myself in a perspective because I'm just an, I'm just an insignificant cellular ort this this little this little molecule in this entire how does that work it's it's daunting it's it's and i think if we really if we really get down to it and i go through these i go through these uh I don't know, these moments where i think to myself is man good is man i don't know but I ask myself the question. I ask myself the question whether whether if we had the ability right now to say, okay, let's provide equity, equality, fairness, whatever that is. I don't know how I can guarantee people loving each other but what can I do to ensure fairness? I think most people go along with it. That's all. Fairness based on some some tangible sense of accomplishment or availability or worth or what have you. That's all. I think what most people say is we don't want somebody to be disqualified from participation merely because of something that they cannot control. We don't want to live in a world where you are disqualified from participation because of either your 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 race or your, your, your gender, when it happens, I could be part, uh, disqualified from participation, in my opinion, as to uh, uh, foot races because I'm not fast. I think that's a different story. And sometimes certain things are underrepresented for reasons that may appear to be insidious, but maybe not. So we're going to leave that at this particular point. I'm going to leave you to think about this. And I just want you today to recognize the fact that in my humble opinion, what is the most important aspect, and I can't say this enough, what is the most important is this thing called bravery. And it's something that I have never, I, I, I simply, I simply, I simply am just... I don't want to say gobsmacked, but it's one of those things that I find truly awesome to use the term because it is awe-inspiring. My friends, let me ask you something, please. Please follow Mrs. L right now. Please follow the Linz Warriors Twitter. She has the best, best, best feature. And you're going to love this. Would you like to hear, I think you do, would you like to hear her interview with me? It's a butte. It's a butte. This is 
Where is it? It's right here. I'm going to tell you. This is the. This is one of the. Where is this here? Let me see. Du, du, du. There we go. I want you to listen to this. One of the best. Do, hang on. Wait a minute. Did this and this and this and copy. There we go. Good, 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 good. I want you to listen. She interviewed me on her TNT radio show. It's fantastic. One of the best ever. She is an she is an incredible natural talent. I'm not saying that because she's my wife and I love her, but she is simply phenomenal. This is her interview with me. Please listen to this. Please listen to this. And it was a story about how the notion of hate crime, how does it merge with the notion of speech? And it's something that is one for the ages and something that I have been talking about and been I've been discussing forever. So here it is. Let me give you this Twitter. Let me give you this one here for you as well. Make sure you listen. She is one of the most thorough, one of the most thorough broadcasting talents ever. That's it right there. Click on that. I've been doing this for a long time. I started first in 1988. So this is my 35th year of, of actually being in the business. She has more natural talent than anybody I have ever seen. I mean natural talent. Communication, brilliance, the ability to focus on something. And it's like nothing you've ever seen. Because I'm going to say something right now, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way or anybody else takes it. A lot of podcasts are just noise. They're just... It, it, it looks interesting. There's a set... And there's a, maybe a nice, you know, there's a nice camera, maybe some artwork, maybe some production. Maybe there's somebody, you know, wearing a lot of tats or that's fine. There's a lot of good stuff. But there's a lot of stuff that does not even in any way even remote anything communicative in terms of style and the like. So in any event, I thank you. I thank you for your support. I thank you for being a part of this. I thank you for your thinking. And remember, I mean this sincerely, if I leave you with one thing today, it's when somebody asks you a question, take your time. Dissect the answer. You don't have to come up with something pithy. You don't have to come up with a knee-jerk reaction. You don't have to necessarily say something that somebody wants to hear. It's okay to say, let me think about that. Or I've never thought about that. Or what have you. Many people I know have canned responses, and I'm going to leave it at that. So today we remember Dr. King. I thank you. I wish you a great and a glorious day. Please, oh, and if you would like to hear the unedited, unexpurgated, unemended, uh, unbodlerized, uh, version of me. Go to my uh, private channel. There is the link right there. All right, dear friends, see you tomorrow, same bad time, same bad channel, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Until then, remember, as I always end, the monkey's dead, the show's over, sue you. Ta-ta.